welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping you with everything you need to sew for your boat, from biminis and boat covers to upholstery work and even sewing your own sails. Sailrite is your one-stop shop for fabric, sail and canvas kits, tools, hardware and sewing supplies. Sailrite is also the maker of the patented Ultrafeed sewing machine, a portable heavy-duty machine that can handle all the sewing jobs for your boat and more. A passionate crew of DIYers, Sailrite produces high-quality, free how-to videos to empower their customers to turn their sewing dreams into a reality. All right, I'm back with Jack Andrews, and this is part two of his adventures last summer. And the last time we talked, you had said you had uh, left the Amalfi Coast, gone back up to Ponza to pick up some more people, and now continue the story from there. Well, um, we we ended up sailing those islands again, so, you know, Ponza and, and so forth, Istia mainly. And we went to... Uh, a town called Gaeta. Yep. On the main mainland. Did you? And didn't you? No, I guess you didn't winter your boat there. That's where I winter my boat, and uh, and uh, one of my other listeners wintered his boat there as well. But you've never wintered your boat there, have you? No, we've never wintered the boat there. Okay. No. Um, and it's it's the what's the home of the U.S. Navy Sixth Fleet mm-hmm. command ship. Yep. It used to have U.S. Navy destroyers stationed there and so forth, but uh, the base is now um, has a couple of U.S. Navy ships in it, but not, nowhere near as many, and the marina in there is quite friendly. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was Dan Culpepper. It was Dan Culpepper. Those episodes with Dan Culpepper, he wintered there. So, okay, sorry to bother you, but uh, sorry oh, to yeah, interrupt you. Right. So that's okay. I remember Dan talking about that, and it was talking about how he. Uh, he had them working on his boat, but he felt he didn't supervise them enough and so forth. Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> so did you stay at the Gaeta Marina? So we did stay at the Gaeta Marina. The reason for that was due to weather. Um, we had a blow coming in, and it was going to be fairly uncomfortable, so we went right in and tucked into the marina on the inside of the marina and not the outside jetties, which were going to get hammered. Um and so we were there three, three days, and after that, our guest actually left from from that location, and it was getting close to the end of the season. So, you know, as far as the continuation of what we did this summer or that summer, um, we then hightailed it back to Sicily. Okay. And and we did a straight shot from Gaeta all the way to Marina di Ragusa in one hit. Oh wow! So you went uh, overnight probably three nights then overnight to get there yeah it was uh two three days and two nights okay so did yeah. you uh you know of all the places i've been in in italy gaeta is one of my favorite little towns and i don't know why but i just like that town did you get off and wander around there very much we did yeah and i absolutely no complaints you know there's parts of it that are picturesque i mean it's not lively and touristy no um, but it was towards the later stages of the season. 
there's still a lot of leftover sort of American type cuisine and so forth from I think obviously when the when the Navy were were in there so you could easily get an American style meal or burger or whatever so that was a bit different because you don't get that everywhere in in Italy um, so that was and it was a pretty town there's no doubt about it and it's very much a nautical town because it's got um, you know the guard, the Coast Guard, and the Guardia Financia have got. Um, I think they've got a training facility there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from that aspect, it was it was good. Supplies was good. Um, you know, I it's not a place that I'd necessarily go back to if, okay. if I didn't have to. It's not that sort of a place, but uh, it was friendly enough, and that, like you said, people stay in that marina over. Um, over winter yeah all right so you went okay let's talk about weather weather adventures last last year did you have any really great uh weather adventures <laughs> we've um so we installed a radar last year and that actually helped us avoid a weather adventure because we were going from rome to ponza and we saw this um squall line coming through to us and the more I watched it it sort of intensified and on the radar I actually picked a gap between two cells and we just you know we effectively went way off our track we you know we did we did a zigzag course off our track to get behind the squall line that was going to come through and get us and we got around the back of it and as soon as we did that the the cell that we avoided had about seven touchdowns of um, water spouts. Wow. Uh, of which, you know, sort of two or three were happening happening concurrently. And that cell would have hit us had we not gone around behind it. So that was an adventure we were glad to, to miss and was quite spectacular and, and a bit frightening at the same time. Be, because, you know, when you get hit by one of those things, it, it does some damage to the boat. It'll certainly tear dodges and bimneys to bits and, and so forth. Well, tell me about the, the the radar that you bought. I'm sure you did your research on it. Tell us about it. Oh, no. We, we actually didn't do any research on it. It was, it was a hand-me-down from, from another sailing <laughs> okay. uh, buddy that, uh, that's in the marina. And uh, it, you know, it was a bargain. It was uh, 200 euro for the whole system. So we just couldn't go past that. <laughs> All right. The, the installation would have been all the work, though, on it. Did you climb up the mast and put the antennas on? And how did you do that? I installed the whole system except for the um, well, the actual bracket was the most expensive part because that cost us 400 euro. And uh, whilst the rigger was doing the rigging inspection, I had him fit that. So it was it was pretty easy. I did all the electrical installation and he fitted the 400 euro bracket and we were set so you know that was that was a great thing to have when we were sailing at night to Tunisia as well because that area of water is is full of boats that have no nav lights on mm-hmm. um, and full of uh, you know boats that should have AIS turned on but don't have AIS turned on because they're either fishing or um, yeah or they don't want to be seen so having the radar for that trip was also quite handy um the 
<clears throat> the other weather adventures is, you know, having Julia there, it, it's pretty easy for us not to get ourselves in trouble with weather. Um, <laughs> you know, it'd be a beautiful. Yeah. Sunny yeah. Day. Hold on. You got to You got to explain that because a lot of people don't know that uh, what her profession is or what her expertise is. So you have to t say why that is the case. Yes, certainly. Well, Julia did her doctorate in atmospheric science, so you know she she's good at picking weather windows, and uh, you know we there was like beautiful sunny days, and you go, oh look, we should we should do that crossing today, and it's like, well, the Cape Index is very high; it's likely there's going to be thunderstorms, so I think we should stay put. And that night, there was these massive thunderstorms. <laughs> it was like horrendous. It was. You could see, like at nighttime, you're sitting on the back of the boat, and you're looking out to see, and you see this intense area of lightning. It's not just like one or two or four strikes; it must be like dozens of strikes all at once. Um, and we heard a horror story from somebody that was actually in that thunderstorm that night, and they pretty much had the grab bag ready. And we're ready to call a mayday and, you know, all that sort of stuff because they were just getting constantly knocked down. They were surrounded by lightning. It was pretty messy. What The water temperature last year was really, really high towards the later stages of summer in all these areas. And, of course, it's that energy from the water that creates this situation of, of this weather that's potentially quite, you know, turns up really quickly, especially the thunderstorms, and, and it's quite severe and can catch you unawares. And there was one system that was developing in between um, the mainland of Italy and the east coast of Sardinia that almost started to rotate. Wow. And You're talking very, a hurricane in the Mediterranean, huh? Yeah, exactly. And then... So, and then very closely after that, um, one on the other side that was closer to Greece did do that. So we, we had one on the, um, on the east coast of, of Italy and in between Greece, and that was effectively called a, a medicane. So instead of a hurricane, it was a, 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 you know, a medicane, <laughs> which, which, you know, it was a rotating low-pressure system and it was quite severe... And that's at that point, we, this one we were leaving Gaeta, we actually decided to use the winds from that to help us sail down to Sicily and sort of call it quits for the um, season, simply because there was just too much thunderstorm activity and, um, you know, we'd already spent most of the season out and it was just time to go, was go this, back. Was to, this in September? Uh, end of September. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I know when I was in, the only time I had... The worst weather I had was in northern Adriatic in September. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, so that's been it for our weather adventures last year. Um, I think we've been pretty fortunate, you know, with being quite aware of what the weather's doing and uh, and having radar to, to help us avoid things. And that's certainly probably the most useful a radar is is actually looking at uh, squalls. I imagine that will be this very much the same situation when we're crossing to the Caribbean at night time. You know, when you're getting closer to the Caribbean, looking for those squall lines. 
Yeah. Now I did, and just for our listeners' information, I did an interview with with uh, your wife. Come on, tell oh, me. Oh yes, you did, Julia. Yeah. Julia. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to edit that out because I had <laughs> a mind fart there. So I did an interview with Julia, uh, and it, I'll try to put a link to that where we sh- we basically talked about. Uh, weather systems and what to look for and what works on a boat. So I'll try to share that in the show notes on this. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember that during that interview, we had a watermelon fall over and smash on the floor (laughs) because we were in that, uh, in that Harbor in Greece where the ferries come in and they create that wake and you're bouncing off the wall and you'd been there before as well. I can't remember the name of it. Okay, I'm trying to think of where it was. So it was in the oh. Cyclades. Um, ah, anyway, I'm Maybe sure it'll come back to us. Yeah, it'll come back to us. Yeah, but yeah, it's one of those bigger harbors then, it sounds like. Yeah, okay, anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, um, it was in Syros. Okay, Syros, yeah, yeah. Amopoli. It was a Mopoli. Yeah, okay. Okay, Irmopoli, Irmopoli. Where's where's that at? Oh, there it so is. Some... There it is. There it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. That big harbor. That's the main one where all the ferries come in and out of. And that's the harbor where I was pulled over by a customs boat. So that's the one yes. I, I always remember. That's... That harbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really bumpy harbor. So anyway, all right. So uh, let's talk about your your adventures planned for this next year right okay well so this <laughs> some of it's uh the same as before because we'll be heading off to malta to get this work done and we're actually heading off to malta in about two weeks now why are you why are you going to malta are the prices more reasonable down there than getting it done where you're at in in italy um the the main the costs uh per hour for labor are about the same um, but the reputation of the boatyard is very different. So Manila Island is has been around for a long time and is very busy and and does really good work. Um, and you can get all the things done in one location. And Malta has got chandries sort of every every two feet almost. So okay. you, anything that you want is there and. Uh, like Manol Island, for instance, has, you know, they've got different teams of people to do different parts of the of the work with different foremen, and they just get on with it. Okay. You know, there's a there's a time that you get lifted. There's a time you get put back, and it just happens to a schedule. Okay, and you've been happy with the work you've had done there already. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we'll go back there and and get that done there and after Malta we'll go and do the islands uh north of Sicily okay let me ask let me ask one more question on Malta now when I was there before they were very very picky on customs regulations are they still that way now um we did check in and check out of Malta okay all right yeah good enough yeah unlike other places they they seem to be but it it seemed to be pretty straightforward yeah it was straightforward but you didn't mess around with it yeah. Um, obviously, if you're a European vessel, you don't have to worry about it. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, so North Islands of Sicily. So, 
um, you know, Stromboli, Volcano, that sort of stuff. You're going to go there then? Yep. So after Malta, we'll be heading there. So you then, you'll be going back up through the Strait of Messina then? Correct. Okay. So through the Strait of Messina up to those islands. Um, I still haven't seen, um, you know, I think as you described it, the oldest lighthouse in, in the Mediterranean. Yeah, Stromboli, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, after that, as you could have guessed, we're heading back to Sardinia. We're going to do a little bit of Corsica as well. And moving on to the Balearic Islands. <clears throat> so we'll not sure exactly about the timings of this, but, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a bit to see there. And I'm not sure how much time we'll spend there. We'll try and avoid the busiest time there if we can. Mm-hmm. We're also going to <clears throat> try and get to Barcelona to catch up with some people. Okay. But if that doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll continue on out through the Mediterranean by continuing down the south coast of Spain, um, obviously to Gibraltar, and out into the Atlantic. And um, if we have spare time, we'll shoot up to Portugal, but I doubt that's going to happen. We're probably going to hit the Canary Islands a little bit earlier now, and what maybe time spend you... some time there. Okay, when are you thinking of hitting the Canary Islands then? About what time? So working back from it, we want to be leaving Cape Verde, uh, the Cape Verde Islands sort of end of December. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means that we probably want to be in the Canaries well and truly early November, if not earlier. Okay, all right. So you're going to be having uh, more late late season sailing this year then? Well, I mean, this is it. We're going to have a very long season of sailing. It's, you know, it'll be the endless summer, really, uh, this time around. Okay. And then you'll make your crossing in December? To make the, the crossing in December, um, and we'll go and hit uh, the closest point of arrival, uh, Barbados. Okay. Okay. And then decide which way we're going to head up along those islands and just, you know, we might we might go down to Granada, but otherwise we'll head north, St. Lucia, Dominica, and just keep keep heading north a little bit. But we haven't got a plan for what we're going to do hurricane season-wise, but we'll work that one out whilst we're um, doing the rest of the season in the Caribbean. Yeah. The only, you know, when I thought of going there, I thought, okay, where's going to be my hurricane hole? And the only one I've really come up with that's pretty darn safe is uh, Rio Dolce in Guatemala. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Because it's uh, south. I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, Venezuela is not that safe. You could also go down to uh, Tr- Trinidad. That's another spot. Yeah. But it's expensive. Um, but Trinidad would be another possibility. Uh, you know, Venezuela's out. I, I don't think there's really much in Colombia, so uh, a lot of people head to uh, Guatemala, Rio Dolce in Guatemala. And uh, that's what I thought. If I win, I bring my boat back across. So I was thinking I was going to do it fairly soon, but my wife says, well, I'm finally able to travel in the summer, so I want to spend more time in the Mediterranean. So I guess we'll be All right. for a little oh, while. It's about time. Yeah, yeah. So... 
All right. So, Jack, anything else we ought to cover? I know we've talked for about two hours now. How long will we Yeah, no. yeah an hour and 19 minutes. Not two hours. An hour and 19 minutes. Well, um, the only thing I was going to say is, obviously, remember we did that uh, interview with um, Paul from Mrs. Chippy? Yeah. So so they made it across the uh, to the Caribbean this last season. So that they are there now. Um, and also, no foreign land. Remember the... Um, mm-hmm. The site that you could register and just you know it helps you keep in touch with other boats and so forth. Mm-hmm. I know that Steve Neal he made it across. He's in Brazil uh, now. Okay. Uh, actually, no, is it Brazil? Um, I think it's French Guiana. That's right. Because okay. you posted pictures of a rocket launch. Um, so he's in French Guiana and he's going to be spending time in Brazil and then moving up to the Caribbean for the next season. And uh, no foreign land, as far as boat registrations as being concerned, has gone through the roof. So he's he's had, hun- <laughs> I think, the first season he had 17 boats on. Um, he's in the hundreds and hundreds of boats now. So now it's turning um, into a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's now a job for him. Um, but I know that some of the um, Facebook groups that are orientated to certain things like, you know, kids or kid boats and so forth have all signed up to um, and formed groups on, on no foreign land. So you can sort of, tr- they can track each other and uh, go around and meet up at different locations. So, 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 so I, anyway, so I had, do... so I had, uh, stop a second. Cause I want to do a tangent on that. So I had a, a listener write in and say, Give us any information you can on traveling with kids, and you're the perfect person because you got your whole family on board. What what resources do you use for um, oh to meet up with other families with kids? All right. Well, obviously, if you sign up on No Foreign Land, and you can actually join kid boat groups, and you can actually just identify, you can search by just those boats, and you'll see exactly where they are. You'll see the names of the boats. You'll see, you know, the names of the kids on the boats and really easy to, to find other kid boats that way. Okay. There's also numerous Facebook groups. Um, like there's one called Kids for Sale, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, I know it's a laugh. Um, but, yeah, there's sailing, there's kid group, face group groups for kids in the Mediterranean. Um, so, you know, if you get on Facebook and just search up um, the sailing groups, they'll all come across to you. So that's really easy. And you just, a, a lot of them are groups where you have to ask for permission to join and, you know, you're accepted and you sort of introduce yourself. And there's, there's some of those groups have roll calls where each month they'll talk about where they're going to be cruising with their kids. So you can you know, hook up, whether it's Sardinia or Corsica or, or whatever. It's very, very easy to find other um, boats with kids. Not always easy to hook up with them, time frames, but uh, it's easy to find out where they are anyway. All right, let's talk about what the experience your children have had on your boat. What Are they happy? Do they miss school? I mean, do they miss their friends back on the mainland? They probably forgot all about them by now. Yeah, it's uh, well, I haven't forgotten because, like, obviously, you know, it's very easy to stay in touch um, with each other now compared to to what it was like. It's not. That, I mean, sure, if they had to write to their friends, they they would would have lost touch by now. But 
but you know, Instagram and Facebook and you know all these things that you don't use, friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it very easy for the kids to stay in touch. So they have done that, um, but it is a different world for them. I mean, you know, kids brought up in a on a sailboat, uh, doing homeschooling on a sailboat, and living in a community of you know adults more so than kids is very different. We still have 15 kids in the marina this year, I think, that uh, maybe it's a, a few more. Uh, last year it was about 20. So, you know, it's still a reasonable group of kids uh, and the ages are pretty good. So all of our kids have got other kids that they can spend time with. Um, so that aspect of it is all right. They also have their friends coming to see us and spending time on our boat during the summer. So, you know, that's a draw card for others and it's also a draw card for us because they get to see their buddies from, from the old days at school. Um, I don't think they miss school at all. <laughs> They're going to be uh, bored out of their mind if they ever go back to school. Yeah. Um, Ruben's about three years ahead on maths at the moment and he's doing high school maths, so... So that's the middle kid. And it's just purely the fact that you've got that one-to-one -one relationship. They only do three hours of school a day. Um, and it's a one-to-one -one relationship and you can, you can help them out when they get stuck. And there's a whole lot of resources out there that with online programs all over the place and from different countries that will help you with the education side. But the feedback uh, through the, I guess, the systems that are online mm -hmm. give you fairly instantaneous results and feedback on progress and trouble areas that you just don't get at school. I mean, you know, you'd have to be speaking to the teacher on a daily basis and the teacher would have to have a, you know, one to three relationship in the classroom for you to get the same amount of information back on school progress as what we get on the boat. So that's a big factor in, in um, you know, staying switched on. Um, so, yeah, I think there's nothing that we're missing about school. There's nothing that we're missing about friendship. Um, it's all been fairly positive. And there's, the kids are not expecting anything. I mean, they're looking forward to doing an Atlantic crossing. I know that when we started, um, there was a plan that maybe we would send the kids across, you know, on the plane and I'd get a crew together, we'd sail across and they can meet us in the Caribbean. And then the longer they've been sailing, the more they sort of realise that they want to be part of that trip. And, you know, last year seeing some of their other friends go across, um, you know, th these kids saying, yeah, sure, you know, at times it was boring, but it was good to be able to say that we did it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, that's great. Now, what system do you use? Do you use a specific uh, homeschooling uh, program? What's your what What are you using, or do you make? Okay, your so own there's a, a number of things that get used, and it's not me; it's Julia, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that we use Khan Academy for maths and some science parts of the program, uh, and we use other resources for um, for other parts of science and. Uh, English is fairly straightforward. I mean, that's, we're not using any program for that at all. Uh, that's purely just uh, ensuring that they're reading and they do a reasonable amount of reading 
and um, more importantly, that uh, that they're writing and have writing assignments every week. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward in that sense. Uh, Khan, Khan Academy for Maths is um, is pretty good. Great feedback on it. Now that's free, isn't it? That's on the internet, and that's free, right? It yeah, it is free. It is free. Um, we do contribute some voluntary funds to them. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's a free resource. So, you know, this might be a great podcast to do at some point in time, and I don't know if you want to do it, but I'm going to encourage you to maybe sit down with your recorder and uh, sit down and talk to the kids and talk to Julie about uh, learning on a boat and experiences and uh, that that side of it, the homeschooling side of it on a boat. If You know, you might think about that if you have the time because that, that would be something of interest to a lot of people, I think. So, and you're right there yeah. in the in the thick of it. So, yeah, just a thought. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I must say, the first year of doing it, it was very in the dark. You know, we didn't know where we were, and it's not until you've been doing it for more than a year that you actually see the progress. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, and uh, and I th- I think the kids that are doing homeschooling are actually getting better educations myself, but. Because I see what I see, the public schools, and uh, I'm not going to make any more comments on that. I, all right, no, no, no yeah, more, no more editorial comments on that from me. So, <laughs> well, the, I mean, but you know, you look at it as public. I mean, the school system is bound to certain factors. It's it's bound to um, the fact that it has a certain number of kids per class. Mm-hmm. You know, that that can't really change. And then teachers have certain skill sets. And so if a kid advances outside of the teacher's skill set, it, it makes it difficult. Like, what do you do with that kid? Do you send him up a year? But then, okay, he's only good in maths at a year up, but his English is at this level. So then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the sort of um, customization that you can do on a boat that you just can't do in a school system. That's right. That's right. Now, what are your plans? Are you going to keep living on the boat indefinitely now? Because I know you had a, like a two- or three-year plan when you started out, and I think you're way beyond that already. Yeah, well, this is going to be our fourth summer in the Med, and um, the current plan is to spend about two years in the Caribbean, then probably move to the Pacific and see how much time we want to spend there, um, take the boat all the way to Australia and probably sell the boat at that stage um, fly back to the med, buy a bigger boat, and do it all again. <laughs> all right, Jack. It's so much fun to talk to you. I uh, <laughs> hope we meet up again sometime soon. Maybe when you're in the Caribbean next winter, I can fly down and go sailing with you for a little while. That'd be nice. <laughs> Sounds awesome. All yep, right, definitely welcome. Anything else we should cover, Jack? No, I think that's it. I've, I've enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed that interview from. Sundance that you you did oh yeah with uh tracy holmes of or, yeah I mean, uh, yeah with so Maiden, we're yeah. looking forward to seeing that movie yeah they actually wrote me and said we don't want you to release the interview until it's coming out and they gave me a date and i said well it's too late it's already out and they said yeah oh, yeah <laughs> they said because it's coming out this winter sometime i got an email from them saying can you re-release this and i said well i could i could try i could maybe i'll re-release it at the same time and let people know that it's out there in theaters at yeah. that point in time. But Absolutely. yeah, that was one I made a, a special effort to go see 
when I was at Sundance this year because I thought, oh, this is interesting. And Neil said he was going to come join me, but I never heard from him, so he never came and went to Sundance with me. But yeah. oh, okay, yeah. But it was his it was his press credentials that got me in. So yeah. very good. All right, <laughs> talk to you later, Jack. All right, Franz. Bye bye. All the best. One last thing before we go. If you want to support this podcast, there's two ways to do it. You can become a Patreon, which I appreciate, which would be at patreon.com backslash medsailor. And the second way is to educate yourself by buying some of my audio lessons for preparing for the ASA 101, the 103, or the 104. And those links are at the website, which is medsailor.com. Thanks for listening, and if you have friends that would enjoy this podcast, share it with them. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.